Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Welcome to Initiated Survivor, where we connect to our fiercest fuck community of survivors and badassery ensues. I'm Kelsey Harper. I'm a clinical psychologist and survivor, and I love to bring us together to share our stories as well as practical tips to recover and reclaim our lives. As a community, we have truly formidable power to change our world, so thank you so much for being here. Here, we discuss topics relevant to survivors of gender-based violence. Some of these discussions may be triggering and contain adult content. Please be mindful of your needs throughout. Welcome back to Initiated Survivor. I am here to share with you a really cool experience that I had a couple of weekends ago. I'm here with my podcasting co-hosts snoring and taking a nap in the background. I wanted to share with you about this wonderful experience that I had recently, my trauma anniversary, my 10-year anniversary of my assault passed and I wanted to take really good care of myself around this and had actually found online this women and wolves retreat through this wonderful organization called Wolf Connection. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about what this retreat entailed and about this organization and why this is important to me. If you've been following me at all, you've probably seen so many wolf imagery and wolf images on my website, on my profiles, all that kind of stuff, because the wolf image and the wolf symbol is very important to me. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that and why that is the case. So the wolf imagery became really important to me because shortly after I joined a survivor support group, one of my good friends, Lauren von Bernuth, had created a book list or a list of resources for people. One of the books on that list was Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And this is a book that is about Jungian archetypes of the wild woman and wildness, instinctuality, and uses wolves as a bit of a parallel about what wild women in that archetype really represents. And uh, I was reading this book and all of that symbolism really spoke to me about this yearning and longing for healing within me, not just from my trauma, but just also this space of wanting to recover my sense of self. And this really talked about, this book really talked about that journey and how women in our culture the white supremacist, heteropatriarchy, capitalist culture really tries to domesticate, restrict any instinctual wildness that all humans possess. And it's important, even though the book is titled Women Who Run With the Wolves and talks about sacred femininity and, and womanhood and womanness and the precious and valuable roles that women and females play in the world, Clarissa Pinkola Estes has been very clear that this book was not written from a gender essentialist perspective that this is not specifically about women or people assigned female at birth and that this is written from the perspective of a woman so she talks about it as women but that she believes that the soul has no gender she's been quoted saying that and so this archetype of the wild woman 
of this parallel to wolves, this instinctual wildness and wild self, the Jungian archetypes are universal across genders. So step off turfs. You are not welcome here. You're not welcome in any space, really, truly. But this book is not for you, turfs. So to kind of get into it a little bit more, Women Who Run With the Wolves is all about this idea of returning to our own instinctual wildness, which is really, really cool and feels very badass. But that wildness isn't about being radical or uncontrollable and unpredictable, but it's actually more about this kind of embodied present moment creativity, that there's this natural instinctual creativity within us, whether that is to create creative projects and expressive projects, or it is about being expressive in our lives with our bodies, with our music, with the way that we love people, with the way that we create communities, that creativity and generativity is something that is sacred to this wildness. And that when we connect to our wildness, we are also going to be connecting to this really beautiful embodied creativity. One of the things that also always stood out to me about this book is her explanation of the life-death life cycle in the sense that things have this cycle of living and dying and then living again, and that there is this cycle and this natural order to the world. And some of that, like people might interpret as a bit of a resurrection type of story, but it also in, in a much more scientific or biological way is also looking at that, like as humans, we live our lives and our lives have a birth, an extension, an adulthood, and then a death. And then our bodies break down into different component parts and become a part of the earth and feed things like the trees and the mycelium that help the trees communicate. And we become life within those plants and those trees again that also give life to the world, that produce oxygen, all of that kind of stuff. And so that everything in existence has existed and will continue to exist in this life-death life cycle. And that one of the sacred roles of wild women, wild people, is to be a bit of a shepherd or steward of that cycle. That there are times when we are going to be bringing life to something we are responsible for nurturing things and providing for things and providing care for things, giving birth in very literal and figurative ways, and scaffolding, supporting people, animals, things, ideas into being and into creation and into their own adulthood, and then allowing death to occur to the things that need to have death occur to them, and sometimes even bringing that death to the things that need to have death occur to them. And this can also be very literal figurative in the sense of like bringing death can be like breaking up with somebody, a divorce. It could also be bringing a conclusion to an era or a period of time in your life. It could be leaving a job and moving on to another one. It could be allowing a paradigm shift to take place within you. The old ways of thinking and being and existing have to die in order to give birth to the new spaces. But those two spaces, those two ways of thinking are not unrelated to each other, but are actually intricately connected through this cycle. I thought that was really, really, really profound and really spoke to me that things in my life are not just these like chapters in a book that once one chapter is done, I'm moving on to the next one. I'm flipping through these pages of life, but more that 
what I am creating is building upon itself and is nourishing itself. And these major changes and evolutions are coming as a result of past experiences and past things about myself nourishing and supporting these future things and things continue to grow from that. And I also felt in my own recovery that there was a number of deaths that happened and a number of deaths that had to happen in order for me to recover. Deaths around ways of understanding the world, deaths around certain naivety or understanding my role in the world with this intersection of privilege and power and marginalized identities within me and within my communities. And death to this way of operating in the world that in order for me to live the life that I wanted to live, I needed to take this opportunity to really come to life and to put a lot of deliberate and concerted effort in bringing myself to life. So what I also loved about this book is she talks about how our own inner wildness or inner wild woman has never left us, no matter how much domestication culture has created in us, you know, by telling us that we have to be small, by diminishing and minimizing creativity and expression, by victim blaming, by all of those things that happen in our culture that make us feel invalidated and small and less than and leave us with less access to our sense of purpose and power, that there always is that wildness within us calling us back to it that part of ourselves never ever leaves us. And I definitely felt that sense of fear that maybe that was one of the deaths that was suffered as part of the assault. And through reading this book, feeling that sense of connection in that poll and hearing the different ways that my own inner wild woman was calling back to me. Some of those ways for me were just like this sense of longing to write a story or to be a writer to notice that in all of my plans that I was making, even fantastical plans always involved me sitting somewhere and writing, you know, and having space to write. And that was that wildness, that creativity coming back to me, that desire to play music and feel the music coming out of a musical instrument, even if it's really squawky and, and not so great. That was the inner wildness coming back to me, the sense of rage and anger that I would feel when I would hear people spout rape culture myths and reinforce rape culture and reinforce violence against people, that rage being part of that wildness. I would also have these visions or these images of myself running on all fours, like digging my hands and my fingers into the dirt and pulling myself along as though I am racing and running like a wild animal. And there was something that felt both incredibly freeing and liberating about that and also so, so, so authentic, kind of viscerally real. And that by reconnecting to this wildness within us, by finding our pathways back, and she uses the method of storytelling, which is definitely a classic method of reconnecting to ourselves, repairing wounds and healing ourselves and our community. This is something that many cultures practice in varying different ways, not just to teach lessons and pass down traditions, but also to offer healing and medicine. And she uses that storytelling in this book with different folklore and fables to share these stories about wildness and coming back to our wildness that in the ways in which we reclaim wildness, this can also help us repair trauma 
recover a sense of self, reconnect into our community, regenerate our own sense of inner strength and inner power, connect us to our own wisdom and revitalize our lives. And I know that sounds like super self-helpy and not at all actionable, which is kind of one of the things that I personally really hate about self-help books is they have all these wonderful, beautiful quotes without any actual like, what do you do to do this? Embrace your inner wildness. Like, what does that even mean? So I'll talk about that in a moment about what that can look like and what that can mean and how you can connect to this archetype in a very real way. But some of the things that are important about this is that this idea that there is a self within you that is the self that's who you are, who you've always been, has been there with you, that is shaped and learning and adapting in the world based upon your experiences, that also in different ways may be pushed, shoved, repressed by culture, telling us that we we can't be this way, we can't love this way, we can't do these different things, we can't express ourselves in these different ways, or punishes us for for doing those different things. The ways of reclaiming that is to almost kind of like tiptoe into the forest of, I'm going to sit down with a notebook and just like journal for a little bit to practice writing. I might contact a music teacher to see if I can resume lessons or just pull out my cello and just sit with it for a little bit. This is tiptoeing back into those things. And for me, the cello itself is actually a symbol of that wildness or that true self speaking out in an important way. Because, you know, when I was growing up, my family had a lot of creativity and expressiveness and music is something that was was a part of life and experienced and brought, you know, just joy and fun into the family. And of course, like when I was in junior high and high school, had to join band and played the clarinet and that was fun. It was nice. It never really stood out to me as like a significant thing, although I really enjoyed it and enjoyed the impact that music had on my own learning and understanding about things. But when I was in college, I was pursuing psychology, was connecting to social justice movements and was doing all of these things. I just started to hear this voice or this urging to get back into playing music or to connect with playing music, that it wasn't just about listening to music or just learning how to play popular songs, but actually the act of being at one with an instrument, moving in a way that pulls sound from it in a vibration that can be felt and heard and emotionally changing. And the image that kept coming to my mind and the sound that kept coming to my mind was the cello. And I started listening to Yo-Yo Ma playing box cello suites. I started looking at cello music, started listening to different songs by cellos, and then started reaching out for lessons. And down this path, like rented a cello, started taking lessons, found out that like one of my good friends who was one of the leaders in my social justice activism groups was had actually gone to conservatory to play cello and offer cello lessons. And so this got to be something that we shared that made our friendship really special. And it really came from a place of like, I don't want anything from this except to just experience it and experience all of the things that were a part of that, of frustrations when it was really difficult to make certain sounds or to get my hands and my fingers and my body to do a certain thing to get the cello to sing the way it's supposed to sing. 
as well as all of the joy when something just clicks and all of a sudden like I'm just feeling this flow and everything's moving as it should and I could hear the song coming from the cello the way that I'm dreaming it to be and that it is just about that connection and that experience of that moment that it's not because I want to become a successful famous cellist I don't necessarily want to play with an orchestra although it'd be pretty fucking awesome if I did at some point in my life but it was just because I, I wanted to there's a lot of experiences of that in my life of times when I listen to this weird little tiny urging in my mind of like you want to do this you want to write stories you want to you want to be engaged in certain things you want to connect to people in a certain way you want to have a sense of community you want to be close to nature get your feet on some grass or some sand or get into a forest and touch a tree with permission, that kind of thing. This is how some of this can come about. I think that really easy practices of connecting to your wild instinctual self are all going to be about embodied practices. So embodiment means being in your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, whatever parts of you that you believe exist while also in the present moment as the moment exists without judgment. This is also the key tenet of, of mindfulness. So practicing mindfulness practices, you can do guided mindfulness practices, you know, on YouTube, on Headspace, all of these different places that offer guided meditations and mindfulness practices around being in your body and being present without judgment can be a wonderful practice of starting to tune in. We think about meditation oftentimes as about reciting something, telling something, saying something. And mindfulness is actually about receiving something, listening, being open and receptive. And that can be where we start to hear the call of the wild woman within us. Now, why the wild woman connects with the imagery of the wolf? And this is where Clarissa Pinkola Estes and a lot of people draw parallels to how wolves socialize. Wolves are an apex predator, which means they're at the top of the food chain. But what's really interesting about this too, and we, we see this time and again, is that while our apex predators feel inherently threatening because they have no natural predator themselves, they actually oftentimes are very responsible for keeping the ecology of their environment balanced. And wolves are like that too. We saw that happen where when wolves were taken out of Yellowstone, Yellowstone National Park, I believe it was Yellowstone, started the ecology of the environment really changed, started to suffer. So they brought the wolves back in within one year, the environment completely started to flourish again. But either way that we understand that apex predators are not just predators, but they're actually key shepherds in guiding the ecology of the environment and re being responsible for that life-death life cycle of our environment and creating that balance through it. And they hold that sacred role very instinctively. That we also see that wolves are very social. They have a pack. They organize in these relationships and care and are very protective of their pack, of their pups, of the relationships that they create. That they can tune into their wildness to playfulness, to protectiveness, and rest as well, as well as their own kind of songs too. And we see that happen 
with wolves and with this wild woman archetype, this sense of connection around community and socializing protectiveness, as well as playfulness and love and this sense of purpose and this interweaving into this sacred role in keeping harmony balance in the environment and the spaces around us. Because this played such a significant part in my own trauma recovery, because it was really a part of when I started to believe it was possible to recover and possible to come back to myself and understand myself better, wolves became kind of an animal symbol or the animal familiar of my trauma recovery. And that's why you see wolves all over my website, all over my podcast branding, all of that kind of stuff. I'll wear things about wolves because I'm connecting to that women and wolves archetype. This is also a book that I find I really come back to any time that I'm feeling that sense of stagnation. I'm feeling a little bit lost or I feel like I've gotten, I've lost my way and gotten a little bit more deeply embedded in the cis-heteropatriarchy, capitalism, white supremacy of the world. And this is a way that I can pull back into my natural self. So coming back to Wolf Connection, Wolf Connection is this wolf sanctuary nonprofit organization that is up in like the Lancaster area where rescued wolf dogs get to go live out and be cared for in their wildness as part of a pack that has been created up there. What's really beautiful about this, again, it's a nonprofit organization, is that anytime an animal is deemed to have some wildness to it, or any dog is described as having any type of wolf DNA to it, they have to be taken into a sanctuary and rescued just because of the way the laws and regulations are. And also, wolves shouldn't be had as pets. They need to be given a lot of space, a lot of exercise. They need to be in a pack. And so Wolf Connection rescues many wolf dogs from traumatic situations also have a lot of wolf dogs that are brought to them and given to them to provide the kind of enrichment in life that they truly need, especially because these wolf dogs, since they have experienced different kinds of trauma or domestication in different ways, they are unable to be released into the wild. So this enables them to have the enrichment of a wolf pack and living that life without the dangers of being released into the wild, without the skills and the connection to live in the wild. Wolf Connection, this organization, they host public hikes and public walks with the wolves where you can hear their stories. You can meet the wolf pack. You can see the organization. If you go onto their website, you can connect with them there. They also offer private tours if you want to book one of those. And they also do programs for underserved and marginalized communities and youth to connect with the wisdom of the wolves. And this one event, the Women and Wolves Retreat, was one of those events that they hold in order to support the community in different ways. And I attended that. They have two versions. They have one that's a long version, a 10-week version, and one that is a one-day version, which is the one that I went to. And it was a beautiful day. It was a day where we went up to the wolf sanctuary, kind of set some intentions, held some very compassionate, quiet, mindful space for ourselves, met the pack and the wolves, heard their stories, and learned from their stories and the wisdom that they had for that and really connected to what messages may come for us through those experiences. This truly beautiful wild wisdom is coming through these different stories. All the wolves have incredibly powerful stories of survival and reclaiming and coming back into their own wildness. 
And that's what I really took away from all of these stories is that there's this way of being able to come back to ourselves no matter what we have experienced, that we will always be able to connect back into our community and that through connecting to our community, we can also find ways of connecting back to ourselves and to our own natural way of being. There's a, a wolf that a lot of people connect with. All the wolves have very powerful stories that people connect with. Mia is a wolf that many people connect with. She stood out to me because she was very, very like in her instincts and her wildness, just climbing on things, rolling on things, digging into certain things, sniffing all the things, just doing whatever felt to her wild wolfy mind. Regardless of that, there was a pile of people walking behind her. And what was so beautiful was that her human accompanying person was so patient with her and holding space for her to explore that wildness. She wasn't restraining her or restricting her, trying to guide her to certain things. She just allowed her to do whatever she felt like doing. And she really did follow whatever interests and instincts were coming up. And she has a very powerful story that resonates for a lot of people. I'm not going to share it here because it's her story and she and her human pack mates can share that with you if you would like to hear that at some point. You can connect with them. The Wolf Connection also has their own podcast, Wolf Connection Podcast, where you can hear all of these stories and learn more about this. But ultimately, the message that I took from her story and the way that she connected back in that is so beautiful is that in her connection to her wildness and her reclaiming herself and, and staying true to herself, no matter what happened or what barriers might be there, was also going to be echoed and offered back to her by the pack. And we see this in the howling that she oftentimes would start the community howls. And it was so beautiful to hear her tiny howl start things and then the pack echo it back to her as a way of saying like, I am singing my song and them all saying, we hear your song and we're singing it with you. And that was such a beautiful experience to have. What are some things that you can do? One, I would highly recommend following Wolf Connection. You can follow them on social media. You can track down their website. You can go to their events. All of the money that, that you spend on those things supports Wolf Connection and supports providing for the wolves. You can also sponsor a wolf. You can donate all of that kind of stuff learn about state and federal policies that are threatening wolves and do certain things, get involved to make those things change so that wolves and their population is really protected here, particularly because of the sacred role that they play in balancing our ecology. Be very, very mindful about appropriation and cultural appropriation. Notice I not once said that a wolf is my spirit guide or my spirit animal because that is not my culture. There are some cultures for which, you know, having spirit guides and spirit animals really is deeply a part of their culture of important symbols, but it's not a part of mine. So I'm not going to use that symbolism or that connection here. You know, I think of wolves as a very powerful animal familiar and archetype for me. So be mindful of spiritual bypassing and cultural appropriation in the ways that you want to connect with animal symbolism and archetypes and that kind of thing. But you can also attend these different events that they're having. You can support wolves in all different kinds of ways. You can also learn about different animal symbols and animal stories and see what archetypes and animal symbolism really speaks to you. Spiritual bypassing and cultural appropriation with regards to animal symbols 
and symbolism and using animal archetypes and how we sometimes hear people talk about spirit guides or spirit animals. That's a very specific practice to specific cultures. And if you want to learn more about cultural appropriation and how this harms cultures, I would definitely recommend you follow the work of Simon Moya Smith, who's a Lakota Chicano journalist who talks all about this topic. That ultimately when we are committing cultural appropriation, we are taking something that has incredible amounts of depth and meaning and complexity and we are minimizing it and shrinking it down into something that we want to make it exist as or how to serve us. And so ultimately, cultural appropriation is still a tool of white supremacy and colonization that has been used and is continuing to be used against marginalized cultures and communities and indigenous communities. So it's important to be really mindful of that. Like I said, I I think of wolves as an animal familiar with my ancestral history and my Celtic paganism history. There are wolf symbols and symbology all throughout that, especially connecting with Celtic goddess, the Morrigan. And again, I don't think of wolves as a spirit guide or spirit animal, but more like an animal familiar, an animal symbol, or an animal that I can learn from, an animal companion, if you will. So highly recommend learning more about that before you jump in to claim certain practices as well and to be not just respectful and honoring, but to also continue to decolonize your life and your approach to it. Because as survivors, we don't just speak for survivors of sexual assault. When we are seeking justice, we are seeking justice for everyone everywhere. I highly recommend as survivors, we're deeply connected to wolves and wolf stories to become a part of providing for wolves and providing for our wolf community and our wolf partners here in the world. I am excited to hear from all of you. What are some of the hints at wildness speaking to you? What are some of the ways that that you hear that wild person archetype inside of you calling out, calling you back home? What are the ways that you connect? What are the ways that you want to connect? What are some practices that you're trying to do? And I will also continue to update all of my things with all of my stories about my own connection and reconnection to wildness. Thank you all for joining us in this episode and connecting with our badass community. Thank you to Sam Valentine and her awesome team at Fast Forward Productions for producing, editing, publishing, and all around making this podcast possible. If you found something in this episode that resonated with you, please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. This quick but meaningful action supports the show and helps make us more visible to other survivors and allies who might be looking for support and connection. I love connecting with listeners, survivors, and allies. So if you found something in this episode useful or interesting, please screenshot the episode and share it on your stories and tag me at Initiated Survivor. An important and final note, while I am a clinical psychologist, this episode and podcast is not a replacement for mental health care. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Neither the host nor the guests are rendering mental health or other professional advice. And this podcast does not constitute an established professional relationship. If you are looking for mental health care or professional help, please seek it out. We have some links in the show notes that may assist with this, or you can contact your insurance carrier for a referral.